Our scripture reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 49. And our sermon today is entitled, Made in the Full Image of Christ. This is the Lord's word. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars different from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonored, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the, dust of, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man in heaven. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see the parents, the parents of seniors who are graduating. You must be very proud. You deserve glory the glory that comes with being a parent. There is a weight, a responsibility. There's a sadness that comes from being a parent as well. But then there's a joy. A joy that no one else can understand or feel about your own children. And it's what God had planned when he gave you your son, your daughter. A responsibility. The ability to weep with them. And the ability to rejoice with them. I pray that during this week, as you spend time with your children, your grown children, (laughs) that you would remind them how much you love them that you remind them how much the Lord 
loves them. That you would sort of send them in to the Lord's care once again. This time not for four years, but for the rest of their lives. And you grown children, don't go back to your parents too often. <laughs> asking for money, asking for... But rejoice. You as children now have glory as well. All of us do who have parents who are still with us. That day by day, month by month, year by year, as we grow up to be men and women with our own thoughts, our own hearts, that we are thankful to our parents. And that we seek to show them that their effort, their love, was not in vain. But that we have become men and women who seek after God. And no longer seek the approval of our parents, but seek to love our parents and to serve our parents. There's a certain glory that goes with all the roles that God has given us. And many of us play multiple roles. As parents, children, grandparents, brothers, sisters. And each one we count as a blessing before the Lord. We know that today is Mother's Day. And mothers deserve all the honor and the glory that is due to them. Whether you yourself are a mother or you have a, a mother who's still in your life today or even friends who are moms. And oftentimes it's just very difficult to get in their shoes and to understand. And sometimes moms, you feel like you're, you're alone and in all this. But know that the Lord knows your needs. Know that, that Jesus Christ who lived on this earth, first as a human being, not necessarily as a man, knows you. Knows your temptations. Knows your frustrations. But also know that this same Jesus who has resurrected from the dead and who has all the joys of being at the right hand of God and all the joys of seeing his people come to him. That same joy is yours as well. To rejoice in what God has given you, to rejoice in your children. And for all of us to rejoice in the mothers and who they are and what they have accomplished and what they have done. Our Lord is good. He always has been, and he always will be. In our passage today, we see Paul continue to look at us as human beings and look at the resurrection of the dead. And he wants us to see and to understand that who you are as a human being, both the inner self and the outer self, the, the spiritual and the corporal, the immaterial and the material, the wholeness of who you are is made in God's image. That you as a person made by God, for God, 
has been made exactly according to his plan to bring him glory. And you yourselves have glory within you because you were made to the exact specifications of what God intended so that you may do what God intended for you to do, to worship him, to love your brothers and sisters, to enjoy the world and bring it under the submission of the Lord, to see God's voice and God's art come to the surface, to hear and to see him in all things, that your heart may be full, full of the joy of Christ around you. Now, there are people in Corinth who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They believed that the mind and the body were completely separate. That once you had died, your, your body was just wasted away. And that your spirit was the one that went to heaven with the Lord. But besides that, there was no sort of connection between the body and the soul. The body was simply a vessel in which the soul or the inner person lived in. But you can understand that once we start to separate these two things, there comes problems in our lives. If we truly believe that the, the shell, the, the body itself, is not made in the image of God, but only the inner part of who we are is made in the image of God, then we are free to do whatever we wish to do with our bodies. For if it's simply going to perish and die anyway, why should we take care of it, nurture it? This body will just die. I mean, know that from the ancient Greeks, and we know that here in Corinth as well, where you have a, a wealth of different points of views and philosophies coming in, that there are those Greeks who believed that we can indulge the body any way that we want because the body will be thrown away. That the soul and the body were, were disconnected. And so what did you do? Well, what the Corinthian church did. You lived a licentious life. You ate and gorged yourself as, as much as you pleased. You used your bodies in ways that were even abhorrent to the people of the Greek era. But you had no second thought about it because the body was disconnected. From the soul. And I think for us today as modern people, we can see how even foolish that is. As modern people, we understand how that doesn't make any sense. Because what happens to my body affects my heart. If you come to me, you punch me in the face. I'm not going to simply say, that was just my body. It doesn't really do anything for my heart. You punch me in the face, my heart's going to react my heart's going to say, you are my enemy. I do not like you anymore. You punched me in the face. I'm not going to say, well, 
you just punch me in my body, it doesn't do anything. We understand the, the repercussions of, of sexual immorality. That when we have relations with someone, it doesn't simply affect our bodies, but it affects our hearts. It affects our souls. It affects our minds. And we know that there's a unity and a connection between the two. We even understand that, you know, if you, if you are in good shape, if you're exercising, right, that your heart and your spirit feel more alive. But then if you forgo exercising, you eat sugars and carbs, we all understand this. You get into that mood in one week, your, your diet is gone, you're just watching Netflix, and before you know it, you're, you, 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 you fall into, a, a, into the blues. You know, not a real deep depression, but, but the blues the very least. So, so we understand that there's a connection. And in fact, for us as God's people, we understand the importance of taking care of the body that we have, give, we have been given, that we may holistically worship the Lord with all our hearts, all our minds, but thirdly, with all our strength. The connection of the two, a healthy body and a healthy mind and a healthy spirit is what God has given to us. Now, this isn't a health and wealth sermon. This isn't about go and exercise, join LA Fitness and be fit and you will be right with God. This isn't about just go and find the best diet and the right diet and you eat well and everything will be right with God. This isn't what we're talking about. If this is true, then you actually don't need Jesus. You, you don't need Jesus at all. You can just go, exercise, find a good podcast about health and living and you'll be fine. But this is more than that. When Jesus died on that cross, Jesus was signaling to us, not only was our heart going to be saved, but our bodies and this world, through God's people, will be saved as well. Have you ever had the, 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 the thought in your head that, you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Or I can't wait till Jesus comes back and, you know, he'll make everything right and we'll all be in heaven together. And for us, our eschatology or our understanding of the last end, last times is basically, well, we're going to be in the clouds. We're going to be with the angel. We're going to be spirits and we're going to be flying around and we're going to be having fun. But Theologically, right now, we, we call this state where Jesus has not come back yet, where, where Jesus is in heaven, where those who have died before us or those who have fallen asleep, as Scripture likes to say, that they're in heaven right now. And yes, they're in heaven as completely spiritual beings. And we look at that and we go, that's what heaven, that's our goal. That's, the, that's what God wants us to be forever and ever. But do you know that even though our forefathers and foremothers who are up there right now fellowship with the Lord, that they're not fully satisfied yet. 
They're waiting. They're waiting for that last day when Jesus returns. Because see, up in heaven, wherever that place is, they're worshiping Jesus. And they see something that we can't see yet. They see Jesus, the only person in heaven with a body. Jesus in heaven with a body. And everyone else right now in heaven is just a spirit. Flying around, walking around, what they're doing. But they're worshiping God. Yes, they're more content there than they are with, with the worries of this world. But Jesus is simply the first fruits of what God intends. For when Jesus returns and returns in glory, he brings down with him the new heavens and the new earth, as he says in Revelation. And what he means by the new heavens and the new earth is similar to what he says when I created heavens and earth in Genesis chapter 1. In other words, all of creation I will renew. Not simply the spiritual, but the corporal. Not simply the immaterial, but the material. Not simply your souls or your inner self, but your bodies and everything as well. For God's intention in his creation was that all of creation may be reconciled to him. That all of us would worship together one day in our glorified bodies with God. That the material itself is good. And that the material itself must be brought underneath the rule of Christ. That we may worship him and serve him together. What are some implications to this? There are several. First implication, you must worship the Lord your God with your whole self. Not just your mind and not just your heart, but your whole self. You must understand the physical body that God has given you. You must understand the strengths and weaknesses that you have. You must understand how your body interacts with your heart and your soul. And you must bring that to the Lord and ask God for his help, for his forgiveness. You must be thankful to the Lord for the body that he has given you, even though it is weak. That you may use your body in its weakness and give it to the Lord. For his glory. There will be some of you whose bodies you feel are so weak. You're sick all the time. You're tired all the time. You've gone to the doctors and the doctors have said your body is just, just the way it is. Some of you, your tricyclides, whatever that's called, is, is way up high. You can't, no matter what you do, you feel like you're going to have a heart attack soon. Be thankful for what God has given you. I can think of no one else when I think of this than Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you might know that name. Uh, but Johnny Erickson Tata was a young woman who had a diving accident and became a quadriplegic 
She can't use her arms or legs. It's everything down from here. She has a ministry called Johnny and Friends. And she talks about the weakness of her body. And yet magnifying God with the body that she has. Helping people who have disabilities. Helping people who do not have what we would consider full bodies. To worship God, to know God's grace and God's love. Whatever strength or weakness you have in your body, be thankful and offer it up to God. Keep your bodies clean and pure in a way that honors him as well. Knowing that connection between your body and your, your heart and your mind is very close. Run away from impurities, brothers and sisters. In our day and age, I implore you, watch the foods that you eat. Watch how much that you eat. Gluttony still is not pleasing to the Lord. Make your body a servant to your heart and not the other way around. That you may serve the Lord with your body and with your strength. Second is to understand that because we are made in the image of God with our bodies and our minds, and because God has created us to bring about the kingdom to all the world, that our duty is not simply to save people's hearts and souls, although it is paramount that we do so, but that we also have to look at the call to bring his kingdom into every aspect of the world. So for you who are graduating from college, you who are working, you may seem like it's an uphill battle all the time. Right? Work never gets work never seems like it's finished. Never. It just never does. No matter how much you study, it just seems like it, it never goes away. After you finish college, you think that when you go to the workplace, that everything is nice and clean and everyone knows what they're doing. No one knows what they're doing in the workplace either. <laughs> they, they, they don't. No one knows. And after one project gets done, it's like another one, another one, another one. It's never ending. And sometimes it can get frustrating. But you have to understand that that's not a result of God making the world bad. That's a result of the fall of the world, the fallen world that we have. And instead of getting frustrated with the work that you're doing, you need to rejoice. For every moment that you're able to finish a project, for every moment that you're able to be with a patient, for every moment that you're able to do something good, even though there are a million other projects, a million other things to fix, a million other people to heal, every moment that you do, you are pressing in God's kingdom into this world. God's people never get frustrated with the never-ending task there is because we know that in the end, 
God will complete that work for us, will he not? Our joy is not for us to be the Savior to fix everything. Our joy is in knowing that as we serve the Lord, do our part in this kingdom, that we get to see a glimpse of Christ in the work that we do. And that glimpse of Christ that we see when we hear thank you, when we hear see something work, when we see when we're pushing back the chaos of, 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 of deterioration, that we can look at that and go, God, one day, when you come back, everything will be the way it should be. And so there's no drudgery in work. My teachers who are out there, I know my teachers out there, you have a lot on your plate. People in the health profession, people in finances, people just working a nine-to-five job, all of you, I hear you. God hears you. But all work is honor to him. We know that when Jesus comes back, the world will look something like this. It'll be analogous to this in the sense that we'll be able to touch things. We'll be able to create things. Except we're not going to be a time of Adam and Eve anymore. Many of us think that going back to Adam and Eve is is what we want. No. What we want is we want to go to the time where Adam and Eve did not take of the fruit, where God said, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is the glorified Eden that was waiting to bestow upon you. And that's what Jesus did as the second Adam. He didn't restore it. He didn't put us back into the garden. But he brought us out of the garden. And then when he returns, the glorified garden, the new Eden will be with us. When, you, when God returns, all the things that we're doing, both in our inner selves and our outer selves, we will be able to do for the glory, the glory of God. Do not be discouraged in this world, brothers and sisters. Do not be discouraged. There are many of you, you guys, especially the younger people, you're millennials. Our, the older people who are here, we understand, well, I'm not, there's some here, my elders here, but my father's generation, and even my father's generation especially, they understood that they didn't have many choices to do what they wanted to do in life. They just had to do what was presented to them, and they did it well. That's it. There, there was no choice. And in fact, for them, sometimes it was actually more freeing than watching their children have all these choices and not being able to do anything. Just pick one. <laughs> And then for us as a younger generation, we're like, listen, mom, dad, you gave us all these things that we could do, right? You gave us piano lessons, you gave us sports lessons, you allowed us to learn all these languages, and you told us we could be, we have have all these things for us, and we often think, I've got to do all of these things. No. Even if you enjoy all of them, you cannot do all of them. And instead of being saddened by it, rejoice. Many of you know here that, you know, 
this is this isn't to brag, but I know with Asian parents here, you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, Pastor Young, you gave that up. When I was in college, I was a physics major. I was like, oh, I'm a physics. I grew up in the I grew up in the early '90s is when I finished college, and that's where people made lots of money. I mean, lots of money in the '90s. I mean, just obscene amounts of money. You college kids, I'm so sorry. We we took all your money from you, my generation. <laughs> obscene amounts of money. My friends started making 1992 like 65, 70 thousand k first job. And back then, that's that's a lot of money. Most of my friends, by the time they were 30, a lot of them had already made a million dollars. I mean, it's obscene amounts of money. And there were times when I'd look back and people would say, you, why'd you waste all of that? Why'd you choose this instead of that? Do I still like science? I still like science. Can I talk physics with anyone? No, I can't. I can't do that anymore. Right? You give that up. You shed this. You shed that. Why? Because when Jesus comes back, not only will you enjoy him forever, but all those things that your parents allowed you to do, and for our people, our older generation, all the things that you wish you could have done, when the Lord comes back, we'll be doing all those things for eternity and all for the glory of God. I look forward to one day, you really, really smart people here, to be able to actually speak to you and understand what you're saying. And we can talk about science for the glory of God together. For those of you who are good at sports, some of you guys are great golfers, some of you guys are great at tennis, one day I'll be able to beat you. (laughs) Or at least play beside you for the glory of God. But I don't need to hold on to everything in this world. And neither do you. You need to hold on to Jesus. And whatever he gives you, the talents and the joy, walk in faithfulness. And whatever he asks you to shed, thank him for the experiences that you've had but look forward to the day that God comes back. All these things together we will do for his glory. We are made in God's image. Our hearts and our bodies together. Let us worship him and him alone. Let's pray.